BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, your uh, Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, what a week it was. Peace out, Pritzker. <laughs> it's brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. Also, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, and the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Terry, what's going on on the live stream chat? Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. It's the Chicago Reader. Uh, in fact, our friend on the live stream chat, one Kathy, says Ben's Chicago Reader article was terrific. Wow. Thank you, Kathy. What is it about? Tell us about the article. Well, I... I'm not sure which one she's alluding to, but it's just a guess that it was the latest. And we're going to be going into this in greater detail uh, with uh, what a week it was, because Dennis is going to get into uh, elected school board stuff. So I probably hold off much of it. But uh, uh, suffice to say that some of the arguments (laughs) raised by the editorial boards of even my beloved bright one, Chicago Sun-Times, and, of course, the always whacked-out Chicago Tribune when it comes to the elected school board, are just so over the top. And I, I, you know, a request. We're all supposed to look in the mirror and see how we can improve. Corporate, civic, editorial Chicago, you should look in the mirror, too. It shouldn't just be a lefty in the attic looking in the mirror. You should look in the mirror and go, what have we, how have we contributed to where we are as a city and how can we do better with our rhetoric? I'll just put that out there right now, D, uh, because that was what the, what the column was about, which is the over-the-top rhetoric employed by uh, the Sun-Times and the Tribune regarding the elected school board. And it's gotten worse <laughs> since then, and we'll get into all this uh, as the show goes on. Look in the mirror, would you? <laughs> It's a mirror. Oh, I didn't say smash the mirror. I said just look in it. Or are you suggesting when they look in the mirror, the mirror blows up? Whoa. I mean, Whoa. I wanted to play a cool glass sound effect, honestly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's going really deep. It's like if you play back the Ben Jarofsky show at a certain speed, ooh, ooh, this is what it says. Dennis is not a doctor. Dennis is not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> it is Friday, June 4th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky show's Oh, what a week it was. Peace out, Pritzker. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this. What a wacky week it was Friday. Actually, we're not calling that at all. I just had to say something, so I said that. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first thing that popped into my mind. Good thing that popped into my mind was not something that you couldn't say. Not that that would be what would pop into my mind. Anyway. 
uh, what a week it was where Dennis and I uh, take the deep dive on the, a week's worth of news uh, has become uh, our show's most popular feature. I'm really proud of that, that it's our most popular feature oh. on a regular basis. Uh, it just shows you how much people appreciate what Dennis and I do. So details says take a moment to luxuriate in the appreciation. Ah, Feeling really good now. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I didn't know if you knew that, D. I know you don't really study the the numbers and everything. I, of course, obsessively study them, and it's a really popular show. So without further ado, it's time for young Dennis, Pride and Joy Ball in Illinois, to take the deep dive on a week's worth of news. Take it away. I'm not a doctor, Dr. D. How's it going? Name's Dennis. Uh, first off, happy birthday to live stream chat man, Terry. <laughs> Terry turned 62 today. Happy birthday, Terry. You're a young man. You're still a young man, as the song says, and I will now sing the song. You're still a young man, baby. Come on, D. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I believe I'm friends with Terry on Facebook, and I see you out there riding your bike, man. Keep on riding. Maybe one day we'll take a ride. I don't know. But anyway, let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. We begin in Illinois, and we begin with Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. It was a non-dramatic yet busy week for the governor. That was until last night. More on that in moments. But first off, Pritzker's $42 billion state budget was passed this week. Ours is a budget that addresses the historical structural deficit and makes responsible choices, paying off debt early, nearly eliminating our backlog of bills, and making critical investments to stimulate economic growth, jobs, and opportunity for our people. But Governor, what does that include? That includes over $570 million for economic recovery for small businesses, entrepreneurs, and the most heavily impacted industries. We'll also bolster our pandemic response, mitigating COVID-19's impacts and strengthening our public health's infrastructure. And for nothing new at all, Illinois Democrats think the budget is fantastic, like State Senator LG Sims. This budget turned out much better than I think any of us could have imagined when we stood here in February and when we listened to Governor, Governor Pritzker present the very first remote budget address to the state of Illinois. This budget is balanced. It's responsible. It puts us on the path towards fiscal responsibility and to a brighter day for the state of Illinois. And Illinois Republicans, well. I think it's pretty obvious that people are not calling Illinois it's their home anymore. They are truly leaving our state, that's clear. And once again, this budget, and frankly, this session, have stolen my optimism and the hope that so many Illinoisans had for a new day in Springfield. That was GOP leader Jimmy D. Jim Durkin. Oh, Durkin, how could you even... How can you look at you? Talk about looking at yourself in a mirror. Yeah, I would say that stuff. Go ahead. That was the floor leader for Bruce Rodder. We didn't, we didn't even present a budget. And it, oh, I'm so disappointed. Sorry, Dave. I just could not resist. Go ahead. Well, what what are your thoughts, though? Yeah, the budget passed. Oh, you feeling good about it? Uh, yeah. Play. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll just finish my thoughts on Jimmy D. Jim Durkin, the uh, minority leader from uh, what, what Elmer's, I think, somewhere out in DuPage County. Yeah, no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> 
<laughs> the views and opinions of Dr. D are not necessarily those of the Vendorovsky. Come on, people care about DuPage County. It's somewhere out there, okay? Anyway, so he's your basic mainstream corporate Republican. He's a lawyer uh, with a downtown practice. He comes downtown Chicago. I don't know if he, I don't know where he does his practice in the days of COVID, but in the old days before COVID, he would come into the loop for his practice. And this is like an old school Republican. But for four years, he was obligated as the, the leader of the Republicans in the House to join forces and support Bruce Rauner, who was out of his mind. Let's not just let's, let's not just bury Bruce Rauner in the legacy he left Illinois, folks. Uh, Bruce Rauner subscribed to the notion that the greatest evil facing the state of Illinois was the collective bargaining rights of union workers. And so his chief goal was to eradicate collective bargaining rights in the state of Illinois. And to that end, he felt that it was not necessary to have a budget balanced or not every year, because he was going to use that as a way to like twist the arms of Democrats into supporting his anti-union legislation to his credit. Michael Joseph Madigan, the speaker of the house took a tough stand. And I have praised him for doing that. I have no doubt in my mind that Mayor Rahm Emanuel is all too happy to throw all those unions under the bus. And Johnny Collagen, who has the head of the, the president of the Senate, probably would have joined him too. So thank you, Michael Joseph Madigan, for taking that strong stand. I bring this up to show how guys like Durkin have no credibility when it comes to speaking up about politics in Illinois. None. If you didn't speak up against Bruce Rauner's Budget extortion tactics. If you stood by Rauner all those years when he tried to destroy collective bargaining rights, you don't have the right to turn right around and complain because what? They're playing budget games, age-old budget games that Democrats and Republicans do alike to postpone as much as they can. The immediate tax hike today, right now, with one that may happen down the road. It's just, you're asking... Too much on the part of Illinois voters. Too much gullibility. And by the way, it probably works. I'm sure there's some guy out in the page kind of going, you're darn tootin'. Jim Durkin speaks for me. <laughs> Actually, I, they probably don't even talk that way in the page. Yeah, yeah. Well, mountain, yeah, like I, living in the mountain. <laughs> darn tootin'. Not that far south. <laughs> no, it's not even south. Oh, gee, we let's just edit that out. The geography. <laughs> it's kind of like west. I don't know. I got well, my you made them sound me. like they're like from Alabama or something. <laughs> you're not, you're not <laughs> I, was, I uh why would I do pay for? Well, yes. So you're darn tootin'. <laughs> Remember when Router would try to be sound like a working man? Remember oh, those yeah. days, Dave? Oh yeah, you're darn tootin'. Uh, uh, I'm out here living and trying and doing and working. Uh, he went down there. I'll never. Oh man, come on, going on that radio show down stale. I'll never forget. It. When I'm going there, there'll be no marijuana in this state. You're darn tootin'. Yeah, it's an evil weed. <laughs> now everybody's smoking it. Tommy Schubert, they just had a story in a bright one the other day. How can we make it more fun? It's not enough that we're like smoking it. It's like, we're not having enough fun. We have to have like marijuana, more fun with marijuana. <laughs> it's like, guess we're really getting carried away with this legal reefer thing. We have to have fun. We have to have nightclubs where we can go and all everybody can hang out where everybody knows your name. 
Ooh, there's a little subtle. Everybody <laughs> Generation Z, we love you. And thanks for listening. <laughs> millennials, I think you may get that reference. Yeah, the millennials get it. Like, oh yeah, I get that reference. Yeah, I'm, I'm a millennial. I know there's a whole new thing. Generation Z is cropping up. They think millennials are old. Whoa. Anyway, so Jim Durkin, you have no credibility whatsoever. And I have to actually almost give you credit. Like you're like Rom like in your uh, and Trump like and Clinton like Billy Clinton. Uh, uh, to be successful in politics, you have to have no shame. Things that many ordinary people would be embarrassed to do. You know what I mean? To stand up and talk about the need for open, transparent budgets after you supported for four years a governor who used the notion of a budget as, what, extortion in an attempt to kill unions? Wow. To stand up and just to stand up and think you have any credibility. I don't know, D. I mean, it's like Blagojevich hopping out of prison, coming home and going, I'm a Trump cat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like another guy without shame. I, you know what, Dennis? I think the secret to success in politics, no shame. Say anything you want, no matter what you did yesterday. So that's why I couldn't help myself. They would laugh, and I'm like, are you kidding me, Durkin? <laughs> For real? Huh? I think it's pretty obvious that people are not calling Illinois it's their home anymore. They are truly leaving our state. That's clear. And once again, this budget... And frankly, this session have stolen my optimism and the hope that so many Illinoisans had for a new day in Springfield. Well, I hope you have a good weekend at least. Yeah, he's stolen your optimism. You were the guy who was the leader of the old day. So when it was the moment where you said, you know, I like to apologize for the role I played in the old day, but now I realize we need a new day. And I'm optimistic that we'll have a new day because I completely disagree with what I did in the old day. You know, <laughs> Let's just pause, folks. Is there anyone who thinks that Jim Durkin at any moment in the aftermath of J.B. Pritzker's victory thought to himself, you know, maybe said to his wife, you know, honey, I am really optimistic that we're going to have a new day in Illinois because finally we have a new Democratic leader of the state who will undo everything I've been trying to do for the last four years. Thank goodness we're going to have a Democratic governor who's going to totally change the tenor and tone of politics that uh, that I've been advocating for the last four years. Thank God we have someone who's going to undo all the damage I did. I'm optimistic about that. <laughs> Only voters. You always go, Ben, you're so cynical. You're so jaded about your view of voters. F- voters, they think you're idiots. Jim Durkin, the subtext is, I think Republican voters in DuPage County are stupid. I think they'll believe anything I say, even if it contradicts everything I said for the last four years. Let's do a test trial. I will say something completely ridiculous and absurd that contradicts everything I did for the last, what, seven years or so? And let's see if people in DuPage County buy it. So who knows, D, at the farmer market uh, in Elmhurst, he's buying his corn. (laughs) (laughs) And some DuPageian comes up to him. Is that what they call him? Elmhurstian. 
you know, I just want to say, uh, Leader Durkin, I too was optimistic, <laughs> but my optimism was shattered. Shattered, I tell you. By the way, I bet you housing prices are going through the roof in DuPage County. I'm just saying. All these Republicans, everyone's packing up and leaving. Really good. By the way, you know who out left? Durkin? Rauner. Rauner left. He's in Florida now. Uh, uh. <laughs> the taxes drove me out. The guy is a freaking conciliator. He's so cheap, he doesn't want to pay taxes. Anyway, Durkin. I hope that people are friendly to you at the farmer's market in uh, DuPage County. Uh, what do you think of these tomatoes, uh, Mr. Durkin? And by the way, I too was sharing your optimism, but I'm devastated. Just I saw a moving van and <laughs> dude, people are selling their homes for record prices in your, so it's not like people are weeping that folks are, there's property transactions. Someone's buying, someone's selling. Big, big real estate market. Yeah. In DuPage County, Durkin. Might want to check it out. You are darn tootin'. <laughs> you're right. Durkin wouldn't say darn tootin'. That would be something that Ron would say, you're darn tootin'. By the way, did you say something about Blago? I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. <laughs> My favorite is the guy in the background. Always love the guy in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're still talking about J.B. Pritzker. Now on the COVID front. Did you know that nearly 51% of Illinois adults are now fully vaccinated? It's true. Tell them, JB. And frankly, the 12 to 17-year-olds are getting vaccinated at a rate that's much higher than the other age groups did when the vaccine became available to them, which is terrific. We want to get everybody back to school in the fall safely. Just tell us the numbers, dog. We have, you know, declining numbers of people, cases, declining people in the hospital, declining numbers of people who are going to the hospital for the first time with COVID. So my expectation is that on June 11th, as projected, we will move to phase five, which is a full reopening. Yes, phase five reopening, finally. And finally, I have the answer to the question that has plagued me for this entire pandemic. Is the one the good one or is it, does it go one to five, good to bad, or is it five to one? I'm all mixed up then. After, before every show, Dennis, okay, one more time. Phase five is the good one and phase one is the bad one, right? Dennis is like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, Ben, yes. <laughs> but and then I get a little nervous. Uh-oh, dyslexia kicking in. Is five good or is one good? Uh-oh, I don't want to mess it up. Make a mistake. <laughs> and then people will be all confused. We thought so. the, we thought the day would never come. Illinois is finally ready for the final phase. Will Chicago go along with the ordinance? Well, the answer is yes, but we're going to talk about that more later. All right. Back to the governor. We got more governor news to talk about. So far, we have seen some awesome prizes like liquor and six flags tickets. But apparently the governor and his administration have a few more tricks up their sleeve to get you to take that vaccine. The General Assembly has also paved the way for Illinois to join the bipartisan coalition of states utilizing vaccine lotteries to encourage more residents to get vaccinated against COVID-19. What's the best thing we can do? The best thing that we can do, of course, (laughs) to protect ourselves and our loved ones is to have as many people vaccinated as possible. So be on the lookout for further announcements on this front very soon. (laughs) 
I'm a sucker for when he does that, ladies and gentlemen. Dennis does those things where he talks to, he asks a question, he he pushes the button. I admit, I'm a sucker. I fall for it every time. I think it's funny. It reminds me of those old records when I was a kid where where they would have the announcer and, oh, there's Henry Kissinger. What do you think? And then they would play, got to get a woman, got to get a woman. (laughs) Only an ancient baby boomer would yeah. understand. Now we've happened. lost the millennials. <laughs> the millennials are like, I, oh, he just, he went yeah. too far. Kept him with that cheers went. reference. Maybe, but now they're gone. Uh, it, it is cheers. I always get, here's another problem I have. D. let me share this with you. As long as I'm just revealing my inner secrets and problems, I get cheers and friends mixed up. I have a problem. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just, and then I was like, I have to work it through. Cheers is the one in the bar. Friends is the one in the apartment. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Bar, apartment. Or coffee shop. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, never was a fan of friends. Confession time. Please don't get mad at me. Whoever likes friends out there. Just never went for friends. Uh, But where was I? Oh, JB Pritzker. Yes. The challenge to get people to take a shot that will protect them. <laughs> I don't know, D. I uh, I'm really this this baffles me. Uh, I've expressed this many times uh, to on the show and to you. The, you know, I, I talk to people every day. We're like, well, I'm still waiting to see. Uh, you know what the outcome of this is. Well, guys, it's four months. Yeah, but you never know. It could be like this lingering thing that they live later. Now they discover later on, they discover, you know, they like, uh, okay. Can you you quit talking about our conversations before the show, please (laughs) quit sharing that information. Just waiting to see. There's a guy. I love him dearly on my bowling team. We remain anonymous. He goes, Benny, I'm just waiting to see. Okay. Just wait. (laughs) Let me, yeah. Let me know if you see anything, you know, any evidence whatsoever. So I've been four months. Some guys are just lazy. So I got a friend who remained anonymous who calls me up. Where do I get the shot? And I go, well, you got to go. There's there's a clinic right down the street. Ah, I'm not going to be going that way. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, just go five minutes out of your way. So I think it's just there's a lot of issues at stake here, D, that um, about stubbornness, about distrust, about laziness. Uh, you add it all together. It's a challenge. So now Pritzker and all the other governors are trying to find ways to bribe. I saw there was a state, was it West Virginia, D? How did you see this? If you get the shot, they're going to give you a gun. Not wow. making this up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there you go. Wait, hold on. Let me get this straight. I get the shot. You give me a gun? Yeah. Where do, where's the line? <laughs> Oh, Lord. So uh, I know what you do. You got problems down in Alton. Not a lot of people lining up to take that shot. Free Jimmy Buffett tickets. Whoa. (laughs) Shit, dude. You just solved it. (laughs) But don't offer Bruce Springsteen tickets. Who cares about him? Uh, (laughs) Coming. So anyway, good luck, uh, Pritzker. We will. uh, this, This is a challenge. And sadly, still no word if one of these prizes for getting the vaccine is a free bag of weed. I'm not a perfect person. I'm holding out. (laughs) I tell you what, that will come. That will come. It's legal. Why wouldn't you? Free reefer? Whoa, wait a minute. 
In fact, my friend who remained uh, anonymous from the bowling team, I know he'd be in line for that free weed. Okay. <laughs> Even he'll, he'll put aside his concerns. Well, you know, I read somewhere that if you smoke the reefer and take the shot, the reefer, you know, destroys the bad parts of the shot. I read that somewhere. I don't know where I read it. And I, I did I just run out. I just run out. So <laughs> I just run out. Anything you can do to get people to take the shot. JB, I'm with you. Dealing with all kinds of issues here, though. All right. Now let the rumors begin. <laughs> Last night it was reported Governor JB Pritzker may not be ready to announce a reelection campaign. Pritzker said, quote, I haven't made any decisions. I've been focused on a lot of other things over the last year. I need to sit down with my family and have a serious conversation about it. And I promise you, there will be some decision about that shortly. What? Who saw this one coming? Some elected officials around the country have decided not to seek reelection in 2022, having felt wiped out by the toll of managing the pandemic. Pritzker said, That's not an issue for him saying, quote, I'm a pretty resilient guy. Oh, and also, quote, springtime. Love it. All right. He obviously didn't say that. (laughs) Uh, Benny J, did you see this coming from the governor? Do you think he's seriously considering not uh, seeking reelection? Or is this just one of these Sugar Ray Pritzker fast ones that he likes to pull? uh, You know, D, I don't know how to answer that. I'll answer your first question first. No, I did not see it coming. And yes, I was absolutely stunned when the news was broken to me of this morning. And yes, one more time, because I rely on newspapers for my news. I was way behind the time in this one. But our pre-show uh, production meeting, Dennis said, oh, we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the big interview with JB. At which point, folks, I'm a little embarrassed to say, I said, what interview? And then it's like, oh, my God, Ugh, I'm hanging up. <laughs> So I've uh, caught up on it. And I, I, yeah, I didn't see this coming. And it was so weird. I was thinking about this D after we talked about it. It's like the contrasting positions of governors. You got JB Pritzker here in Illinois, who I personal opinion has done a great job. And uh, maybe because the bar was so low coming into JB Pritzker's uh, tenure, you hear that Durkin with uh, Bruce Rauner. He just looked, because he's not a runner, but I think he's done a good job. I like him. I like his way he approaches his, uh, his, uh, his power and his authority. And uh, I like just the vibe he emanates. Uh, in contrast, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who I've never, I got to admit, I've never liked the Cuomo vibe uh, ever. I've always thought he was uh, arrogant and autocratic and a bully. Uh, he, he has a million reasons not to run again including uh, the way he mishandled COVID in the state of uh, New York and the way all the sexual uh, harassment charges that have mounted up about him. He's determined to run again, D. So you got the good guy in Illinois. I don't know. And you got the schmuck in New York. Yeah, I'm running. I can't wait. Can't we just have like some kind of normalcy? Like the good guy who deserves to run again, just runs again. And the guy that you, mm, could you just leave? Just leave, you know, you get a job in the media, get your brother to hook you up at CNN. Isn't that how it works out? So, no, I didn't see it coming. I have no idea if it was just a, like a tactic uh, or he's seriously considering. Now, I have no idea what's going on on this one. Day. It's raw speculation. Nobody knows, by the way. Um, 
And by the way, there's probably a dozen at least Democratic politicians waiting for the next announcement from Pritzker. You know what I'm saying, D? Like, because they want to run, but they don't want to jump in before JB makes it final. So they're right now calling. <laughs> they're calling. Hey, if I if I run, you're gonna support me, right? Huh? Just saying, huh? 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 Yeah, that's what they're doing right now, D. So yeah, I have no idea what he's up to. But you know, you're right. Sugar Ray Pritzker is quick on his feet. <laughs> he always stands one step ahead of everyone else. I mean, when I heard the news, I just thought about it. It's really interesting. You have Gavin Newsom, who was getting a hell of a time in the last year. Um, Cuomo, the three biggest cities, Chicago, New York, L.A., right? Is Pritzker just like, holy crap, I've gone unscathed. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> it's going to cash in while I'm ahead. Yeah, uh, you're Gavin Newsom out in California. You're absolutely correct. He's fighting for his, he's not going down. They, they're doing a recall in California, and he's made it clear that uh, he's given it all to stay in office. Like I said, Cuomo won't leave, even though everybody's begging him to leave. So, yeah, maybe Pritzker, uh, maybe, you know, I want to, Dr. D said that Pritzker wants to be president. One time Dennis said that. Oh, I think yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so, get out now. You can run as the guy who saved Illinois. Ah, it, you know what, D? Too much speculation. Oh. Uh, that, that's fun. I, that's fun. Speculation. That's great. Good times. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something I have absolutely no idea yeah, what I'm talking about. come on. Let's do it. And we sound like idiots a month later. It's fun. Um, President Pritzker, I didn't think about that, too. Maybe, maybe 2024, President Pritzker. Okay, but that means that Biden's not running. So a lot of chess pieces. Oh, I mean, here, Biden's having trouble literally walking these days. He's hey. a, by the time he runs for election, he'll be like 80. Hey, <laughs> let's say anything oh. bad about president. Joe. Sorry. I'm Sorry. I forgot president. what, I forgot what year we're in. I forgot. Not 2020. It's 2021. Okay. Hey, look at that tattoo. Heart. JB. Oh, wow. yeah. You're right. <laughs> and that goes for both Joey Biden and JB Pritzker. <laughs> All right. Once again, Governor Pritzker weighing his decision on running for re-election in 2022. Like, can't believe I saw that in the news, but we're going to move on. Uh, It's a shame if he decides not to run, though, because according to some Illinois conservatives and well, we'll file this under. uh, Yeah, no, duh. The Illinois Republican Party is kind of a hot mess at the moment, and it could potentially be an easy victory for the governor. Looks like Ben's favorite Republican, Representative Adam Kinzinger, addressed this issue during a call with reporters Thursday. He said Illinois Republicans have a, quote, ginormous problem for 2022 in leaning too far right in primary elections, which makes them unsuccessful in statewide races where Democrats hold a major advantage. Kinzinger said, quote, we've enacted a purity test, acknowledging there are folks in the GOP trying to, quote, push me out. The irony, of course, is that he's got solid GOP credentials. I consider myself moderate to conservative. If someone like me doesn't belong in the GOP for telling the truth, that's a problem. Kinzinger also weighed in on his election plans. For now, he expects to run for reelection. It's his preference, but he's not ruling out a statewide run given how congressional redistricting is still up in the air. Yeah. Well, they're going to put you in a district with a bunch of other Republicans, Kinsinger. Good luck. 
All right. I'm going to say what I'm about to say with uh, a tip of the hat to Heidi Henry and Marie Brio, uh, the Heartland Mamas who um, live in uh, Adam Kinzinger's district and as good Democrats have been battling Adam Kinzinger at Kinzinger forever. And uh, yes, they always chide me. Um, I'm a little soft when it comes to Kinzinger because he's been willing to uh, denounce Trump and Trumpism. I give him credit for that. That said, he is a conservative Republican uh, who I think uh, would have a very difficult time winning statewide. And I'll tell you why I say that. There are two strand, two problems for Republicans uh, when it comes to winning a statewide office. One is the obvious problem of Trump that Kinsinger is addressing, where Trump is uh, Trump is despised, and Trumpism is despised. I would guess, I would say, conservative estimate: fifty five percent of the people in the state of Illinois, fifty five percent of the voters in the state of Illinois, absolutely just despise Trump and Trumpism. I don't. Maybe that's a little high. All right, let's go down to fifty percent. Either way. It's a huge disadvantage for someone like DB, Darren Bailey, you know, who swears an oath of allegiance to Donnie Trump or Jeannie Ives, who loves Trump or Chris Miller, who loves Trump or Mary Miller, who loves Trump, you know, or Boast, Michael Boast, who loves Trump, you know, and then they can't come right out and say that Joe Biden won the election, have to sort of play along with the lie the fantasy that Trump has forced Republicans to swallow, which is that the election somehow or other was stolen from him as opposed to reality, which is he got his lunch taken from him by Joey B. Joey B mopped the floor with him. So they have to swear an oath of allegiance to Trump and yes, go along with the lie that the election was stolen. That's problematic. And Kitzinger is breaking from that. So that is one problem he won't have when he tries to reach over to uh, non-Trumpites. The bigger problem he has is his conservative views. And this is the other Republican problem. Uh, The successful Republican politicians of the last, what is it, 20 years or so, have been relatively moderate on social issues. And uh, the most obvious one would be uh, abortion, right to choose. In, uh, in the current state of Illinois, I can't think of one Republican who is uh, pro-choice. Kinzinger is not. That's going to be a very difficult uh, position to hold in a statewide election. To run statewide being anti-abortion, particularly in this climate where abortion rights are under attack nationwide. And uh, the Supreme Court is poised to perhaps annihilate Roe v. Wade. If they do that. If they do that, women are very vulnerable on this on this issue. And this this is a very potent, a very palpable issue for Democrats to run on. Terry Cosgrove comes in the show all the time and talks about it. And so Adam Kinzinger is as bad as what? DB, Darren Bailey on this. So that's the other problem Republicans have. You got two problems. One, you've given your party over to the radical right on every social issue. Uh, and you've given your party over to MAGA just in general. So that's a problem. Kinsinger likes to talk about the first problem, the Trump problem, because he's on the quote unquote right side of that. There's all those other issues. 
And I just don't believe Adam Kinzinger, uh, an anti-choice Republican, can defeat J.B. Pritzker statewide, particularly with the the money that J.B. Pritzker has at, at his command to launch all those commercials, D. So I don't think Kinzinger, he, they, look, I understand Kinzinger's taking a, a bold stand on the matter of Trump, and I thank him for that. And I know Heidi and Marie are going, Ben, don't say it. But I appreciate him for that. But I don't think, I think he's too conservative, D, on uh, all these other issues. And I do not believe he could be elected governor against J.B. Pritzker. Yes, I said that. Yeah, he's a douchebag. All right, moving on. <laughs> Heidi's like, yeah, D. <laughs> I'm with him. I, I know a grifter when I see one, all right? <laughs> And he hasn't said it, and the grift will begin very shortly. Just wait. Okay. Moving on. Hard to believe, but it's already been five months since former long, 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 long time Democratic House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan stepped down from all of those politically powerful positions. And it's been five months under a new speaker, one Emmanuel Chris Welch. He just wrapped up his very first session as speaker. And Ben, well, we haven't talked about Mr. Welch that much in the last couple of months. How are we feeling about our new Illinois House Speaker? Good, bad, indifferent? I, I'm a fan of Chris Welch. Everybody knows that. Uh, I like how he plays the game. Cards very close to the vest. We never want to play poker against Chris Welch. You never really know what's going on in that. Mine, great card player he would be. So I think he's a pretty good tactician. Uh, and um, I, I also, he's another guy. I don't know. Man, I'm a sucker for the vibe he emanates. He's, he's, he's very, uh, he's got this like, empathetic vibe that he puts out there. Uh, so uh, I, I appreciate Chris Welch. And I do like the fact that we have a change in the Democratic Party. And no longer Michael Joseph <laughs> can just run at everything from his, what, office in uh, above the Lithuanian uh, American Museum somewhere on the southeast, southwest side of Chicago. So a little change. So I welcome Chris Welch. Yes, D, I said it. I welcome Chris Welch. All right. Well, according to the article from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Rachel Hinton, Democrats in his caucus say that Emmanuel Chris Welch has delivered on every responsibility. Every single one. Welch and the supermajority he now leads passed a bevy of bills during the first legislative session with Welch at the helm. Democrats say that he did it with a, quote, refreshing, collaborative approach. Beyond the legislative wins, Welch followed through on his support for term limits, implementing a House rule imposing a 10-year cap on himself and other legislators serving in leadership roles. State Representative Michael Zalewski a Democrat out of Riverside, said he thought Welch could, quote, hang his hat on a very successful first year. Ben, even the lady who ran against Welch for the speaker gig had good things to stay, uh, say about him. State Representative Stephanie Kifowit said Welch, quote, really embraced the strengths of the members in their individual areas of expertise. He really empowered the committee structure to make sure bills were properly vetted and considered. The Oswego Democrat also said it's been, quote, refreshing to have a caucus meeting every week to keep members updated and that it's been beneficial to have collaboration and the work we have to do as a body. Translation, Madigan sucked. 
Welch's seatmate, State Representative LaShawn Ford, said Welch and the caucus, quote, delivered on every responsibility and Democrats, quote, felt emboldened to make more demands, a change from the Madigan era. The West Side Democrat chalked up that to Welch's open door policy and Welch's role as rank and file member just months ago, making him, quote, more approachable than Speaker Madigan. Translation, Madigan sucked. <laughs> but. What about the Republicans? How are they feeling (laughs) since their decade long boogeyman has exited Springfield? What's that listeners? Yes, that's right. You guessed it. They think he's just like Madigan. Surprise, surprise. Republicans aren't echoing Ford's glowing assessment of the speaker's first session. Deputy Republican leader Tom Dimmer. Ben loves Tom Dimmer, by the way. He talks about it (laughs) off the show like. He loves, I don't know why. Uh, Deputy Republican leader Tom Dimmer of Dixon said on the House floor Monday, quote, we've talked many times in this chamber about it being a new day. What we're seeing on this floor is the same dark old days that we've struggled under for years. (laughs) Once again, House Republican leader Jim Durkin said Tuesday his relationship with Welch, quote, started off fine back in the early months but kind of fell apart. What I witnessed last night and over this past week with the maps and also the budget and how it was put together, making sure that rank and file members of the legislator legislature hold on his side of the aisle were taken care of. It is right out of the 65th and Pulaski playbook. This Durkin is not having a good week. Durkin said 65th and Pulaski. Yeah, oh yeah. my goodness. What a bunch of frauds. By the way, the Democrats are a right behind him in the fraudulent thing, but a little more sophisticated. What a bunch of frauds the Republicans are. Let me just get this. Uh, what Madigan did to Republicans is what Republicans are doing to Democrats throughout the country. I'm thinking Texas. I'm thinking Georgia. I'm thinking Wisconsin. I'm thinking Michigan. I'm thinking Pennsylvania. I'm thinking Florida. Wherever Republicans get power, they shove stuff down the Democrats' throat. They tell them to shut up, get in line. No one even, it's not even shut up and get in line. It's just, we're not even going to listen to you. And then they cry like little babies in the state of Illinois when some of the same tactics are employed on them. Mm-mm-mm. Again, folks, there are no principles on the part of the Republicans. There are tactics. And when it serves their interests to be strong arm, big boss bullies, that's what they will do. That's what they'll do. Ever they get power. I've never once seen a Republican legislature in the country. And if any of you can challenge me on this, I Welcome it. I've never once seen a Republican legislature which had all the power reach out to Democrats the way Joe Biden right now is trying to get Republicans to sign on his infrastructure bill. Reach out to Democrats to try to bring them on. Their attitude is, we don't need you. We got the votes. We're going to stuff this down your throat. We're not even going to pretend to have a compromise. And so what happens like with the Jimmy Durkins in the state of Illinois, they put those blinders on as what's going on all around them. And they pretend like that world does not exist outside of Illinois. And then they just cry like little babies. So they have no credibility as far as I'm concerned. They're the biggest bunch of frauds in the world. And you know, I can even shout out to Eric Zorn. You know, I've been ripping the Tribune's editorial board. They deserve to be ripped. 
Uh, Eric Zorn, of course, the columnist for the Chicago uh, Tribune. He, he wrote something the other day, D. I couldn't believe I was reading this in the Tribune. I'm like, is this the reader? I'm like, I turned it upside down. I literally took the newspaper. I went like this, D. Here's how I usually read the newspaper. I turned it upside down. It's like, is this the reader? Eric Zorn wrote a column in which he said he didn't, he just wasn't going to jump on the old, old bad Democrats bandwagon that Republicans uh, are leading because they're such frauds and phonies. They Republicans are doing the same thing throughout the country. I've not read that point of view ever in the tribute. It's my, it's generally like a lefty point of view. So Eric tip of the hat to you. Now, uh, Eric's probably going, Ben, you're only tipping your hat because I wrote a column that agree that you agree with. Well, okay. Good point, Eric. Good counterpoint. You like I have like the point counterpoint here, D, in this thing where I, Eric gets to say something. And then I, you know, that's a good point, Eric. I agree with that one, too. But yeah, what a bunch of frauds. Now back to the Democrats. Come on, D. All these Democrats are going, oh, I love Chris Welch. He's such a refreshing change for Madigan. We're the ones who supported Madigan. Just pointing that out. You know, when guys like me were criticizing Madigan, oh, you hippie, shut up. How many trees have you planted? <laughs> you pot smoker. Oh, those were great days when they would do that. Oh, you hippie loser. You loser. What a loser. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Madigan likes me. He calls me back. So I'm just saying, guys. Oh, now you love. Oh, well, it's just such a refreshing change. And they won't even mention that, like, what he's a change from. That's you know what I mean. That's like the dilemma that uh, Chicagoans have when it comes to mayors. I mean, Mayor Rahm had this problem. Uh, I I inherited a lot of problems. Oh, who'd you inherit him from? Uh, <laughs> I inherited him from. I inherited him from. Yeah, who'd you inherit him from? From? Huh? What? Hmm? Yeah, because you inherited him from Richard M. Daly, the mayor you uh, sw- bowed down to for all those years. So you, you feel like you cannot say anything critical about Mayor Richard M. Daly, even if he's not mayor, because some lightning bolt will come out of the sky. So I inherited problems from who? I just inherited him. Stop asking me these questions. I inherited problems. So now like the democratic legislators are like that. Oh, it's such a refreshing change. Uh, change from what? It's just a change. Refreshing. Did I tell you that the change was refreshing? It's refreshing and it's change. Uh, but it, uh, the change is, uh, sorry, Ben, you've asked me that question already. Let's move on. So yeah, they're not as fraudulent as the Republicans, but they're inching close. But you're come on, Michael Joe Madigan. I'm the only guy who says something, anything nice about you anymore. Me. The liberal, the lefty in the attic with the reefer. That's me. The only guy in the state of Illinois says anything nice about one. Even the Dems who are loyal members of his caucus to the bitter end. Uh, well, just such a refreshing change. <laughs> okay. But you're, you're liking uh, his run so far, right? Right. Oh yeah. I like Welch. Well, and I got to say, uh, he had a great counterpunch in his interview with uh, France Film on the Today's Bright One. Oh, my God, the France Film and Show. Guys, check out the France Film and Show, Chicago Sun-Times website, wherever else you download podcasts. Yeah, the France Film and Show, and uh, they parted it in the newspaper, and I'm now opening the paper. Well, Ben, you should have been prepared for this with the, right to the page. Here we go, D. Uh, so the Republicans are whining about the maps. <laughs> what a bunch of frauds. She's unfair with the political map. You know what he did? 
know what the Democratic map makers did to Republicans? They did everything that map makers in Wisconsin have been doing to Democrats for years. Everything that map makers, Republican legislators in Ohio and Michigan and Texas and Georgia have been doing to Democrats for years. But they whine when it's done to them. Cry like little babies. So you want to change this process? Federal legislation. There you go. No, you don't want to change the process. You just want to control the process. And I liked how Chris Welch counterpunched. So <laughs> Durkin's whining and crying about the process, and he's found a few. Oh, God. I shake my head. A few of my beloved Democrats are going, Ben, it's a unfair. We should have fair maps. Dems. Dems who say that stuff to you. You know, I love all my Dems, but good, good. Anyway. Here's what Chris Welch said uh, to Franz Spielman. Republicans wanted us to come to gridlock so they could force us past our June 30th constitutional deadline. We weren't going to do that. We weren't going to allow the party that stands for voter suppression to a 50-50 chance of drawing the maps. So that was the proper time to use our power. Here, here. You got the power, Democrats? Use it. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be scared to use it. Use it. That's my advice to Democrats. Not that any Democrat would ever take any advice that I offer them. So, yes, D, I like Chris Welch. And by the way, did you say something about Mike Bose like 20 minutes ago? I'm sick of it. Every (laughs) year we give power to one person. Uh, That's Michael Bose throwing a hissy fit about Michael Madigan. Interesting. He has nothing to say about the power the Republican Party, himself included, have given the Donald John Trump. Just saying, Michael Bost, Congressman Michael Bost. I'm sick of it. Oh, we are too, Mike. <laughs> but you don't here. Obviously, you can't see it. It's where he throws the papers in the air. That's my favorite part of it. He's like these papers. I don't know. Maybe it's a bill. He just throws it in the air. I'm sick of it. And it worked. You know, I always make fun of Democrats in Chicago. They vote for all these mayors. Uh, apparently Republicans downstate are not much brighter deal. Well, he's sick of Maddie and I'll vote for him. Sounds good to me. And that's about all the statewide news I have for this week. Oh, I mean, except for this week's Illinois crop report with crop statistician, <laughs> Steve Parn. Corn planted reached 95% Hell compared yeah. to the five-year average of 84%. Corn emerged was 86% compared to the five-year average of 72%. Okay. Corn condition was rated 1% very poor. 3% poor, 16% fair, 67%. Okay, holy crap, that is very boring. All right, hold on, I was taking notes. 16% poor, was it 60? I got mixed up, D. I was trying to keep up with him, and he just went too fast. Right, we got to keep listeners. That guy made uh, state climatologist Trent Ford in his weekly weather report sound like a breath of fresh air. From the Illinois State Water Survey at the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State climatologist Trent Ford. Not now, Trent. Could you imagine those two guys at a party? <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be a hell of a party. Yeah, we had a little reefer. Oh, well, man. You know, you don't hear enough crop reports uh, these days. So that's good. Very refreshing. Uh, now, Ben, we're going to talk about uh, some Chicago news shortly. But is there any pressing statewide news that we would like to discuss here uh, before the week finishes out? I can think of right now. I think we've covered everything. Am I missing something? Nope. Chicago news. Let's do it. The state Senate on Tuesday passed a bill that would create a partially elected Chicago school board in 2025 and the city's first ever fully elected school board in 2027, though critics of the latest proposal remain, including 
Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Whoa! <laughs> State Senator Robert Martwick, a dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show and a Democrat out of Chicago, said his amendment to House Bill 2908, one of the bills circulating in the General Assembly to create an elected school board for Chicago public schools, quote, ensures the city will have democracy over its schools. But... It's just the first step. Time now for more Martwick quotes. Here we go. Martwick quote, quote, we now have to do hard work of making sure it functions well to make sure it works for taxpayers. Ahead of the Senate's vote, Martwick urged members to pass the legislation saying, quote, this is about creating elected accountability. But nothing there was, quote, no easy path to getting there. Is this the perfect compromise? I don't know that I've ever seen one. The Senate voted 36 to 15 to advance the bill, which must head back to the House where it needs a three-fifths majority to take effect within the next year. Assuming all 118 House members vote on the measure, it would require 71 votes to pass. Ben Jarofsky. All right, God, so much to unpack here. First of all, if it doesn't take place for another year, you just need a simple majority. Uh, second of all, I think that the elected school school board bill uh, is a, a, an issue that has pushed my friends uh, on the, the editorial boards of the downtown papers uh, off the ledge. Some of the stuff I've read <laughs> about the elected school board bill is so over the top. It's embarrassingly over the top. And uh, it just, it symbolizes like it symbolizes this larger struggle about how we run the city of Chicago and a fear that this fear is so old in Chicago, a fear that if you allow too much democracy, then it'll just be chaos. Uh, and so what, Corporate Chicago and Civic Chicago, the heads of all those foundations and editorial Chicago, the mouthpiece for corporate and civic Chicago. They want a strong mayor who makes clear his or her preference for targeting most economic development dollars in gentrifying neighborhoods. And that's the underlying issue here, folks. If you stray too far from that model of government, you are going to have, in their view, chaos. And really what you're going to have is a challenge to the way of operating in Chicago. So the mayors are no longer free to spend all that money in gentrifying neighborhoods, and they may have to evenly distribute it throughout the city of Chicago. And that's not the way the game has been played for as long as I can remember. Going back to the days of Richard J. Daly before Richard M. Daly. And so the elected school board bill is kind of, kind of a symbol. So like the mayor right now gets to appoint the members of the board of education who once appointed by the members, by the mayor, largely serve as rubber stamps. As the park district board serves as rubber stamps. As any board or entity appointed by the mayor serves as a rubber stamp. And in the eyes of the leaders of the city of Chicago, corporate, civic, editorial, that is the proper way to run a city. Run a city with rubber stamps who do what the mayor tells them to do. 
without question, without dissenting voices, without asking questions. And I'm looking at the evidence that this is the way to go as a city. And I'm not seeing a lot to support it. Every day, the same newspaper that tells me that this will just bring chaos is filled with articles about the carnage in the streets of Chicago. So maybe, I don't know, we should reconsider how we spend money in Chicago. Maybe we should think about intervention programs. Maybe we should think about more mental health programs. Maybe we should think about making schools, extending the hours. So there's after school and preschool. So there's alternatives just being on the street. Maybe we should think about counselors that talk to people about the need to punch back every time they're punched. You know, rethink how we do things. Nope. We want to keep doing things the way we've always done them because it works well for us. Well, it's not really working well for everybody else in the city of Chicago. It's freaking carnage. Nope. So, it's becomes as simple. And yesterday's Sun-Times editorial was so over the top. I talked about it yesterday. I'm just going to repeat it. If people, you see more people leaving the Chicago public schools, blaming on Martwick. Like, are you kidding me? People are going to leave the Chicago public schools because we've replaced an appointed board of rubber stamps with an elected board. I would venture to tell you the overwhelming majority of people in the city of Chicago don't even know who's on a school board, much less whether they're appointed by the mayor or elected. Then the other one says, look out for your property taxes to go up. We elected school board. Blame it on Martwick. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't know if you guys live in Chicago, pay property taxes. I do. They've been going up, 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 up <laughs> with, with an, uh, an appointed school board. Just the stuff they, it's just, Listen, elected school board, I have, I just, I don't have the faith in it that it's going to really matter that much, D. I know. Oh, you're going, oh, man, you're so cynically so jaded. I just don't. You know what I'm saying? I just, the inequities that we're talking about are so deeply embedded in our system. I don't know how an elected school board could even begin to eradicate them. And I'm not even sure that the people I would agree with are going to win these school board elections. I don't have a lot of faith in the way Chicago voters behave when they go in that polling booth. But the notion that somehow or other an elected school board is going to be the end of civilization as we know it is so over the top. So I don't know, editorial board members. I think you should start smoking more reefer. That's my recommendation. Just there chill out go. a little bit. There you okay? go. That's really over the top with that one. That's just my suggestion. Smoke you more too. pot. Corporate Chicago, you too. Smoke a little reefer. Chill out, huh? Now, a lot of our friends of the Uber left-leaning persuasion here in the city of Chicago are fans of an elected school board. But if we've learned one new thing this week, it is this. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is not one of those fans. Welcome back, Beaches! Yes. Welcome back, Beaches. 
Lightfoot called the switch from an appointed to an elected school board, quote, the most consequential change in governance in decades, if not ever, for the Chicago public schools. As such, she said, quote, it can't be about the politics. It's got to be about the people, meaning the students and their parents. More Lightfoot quotes on the Chicago school board. Here we go. Quote, an elected Chicago public school board is, quote, supposed to be about democracy. But what happened in Springfield had nothing to do with democracy. We're going to keep our fight where it should be, making sure that our children are heard, that their educational futures are secured, that parents have a seat at the table, why that sense of urgency around those core values is something that some folks in Springfield don't get. I don't know. But there has to be accountability for ignoring the people. My God, that is got to be one of the most hypocritical comments in a long, long time, ignoring the people. So let me one more time point out on the elected school board matter. The people have been asking the powers that be in the city to allow them to have a voice on this time and time again. There's been a push to have a citywide referendum on elected school board, much like we had a citywide referendum on whether there'd be term limits for the mayor. The powers that be in the city of Chicago stifled that attempt. Mayor Rahm Emanuel teamed up with uh, his rubber stampers in the city council to block time and time again citywide referendums on whether we have an elected school board. So the notion that the people who currently favor the appointed school board are somehow representing the Wider citizens of Chicago is fraudulent. The mayor has to know that. I know she wasn't a public official or a, a politician elected official, I should say, uh, during the Rom years, but she was a citizen of Chicago. And I presume she read the newspapers and listened to the TV news and kept up on what's going on. And she knows the game that's been played. Powerful mayors don't want an elected school board because an appointed school board works for their best interest when it comes to shuffling money around. There's a hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of property taxes at stake here in the TIF game. And every time you create a TIF, you divert money away from the public schools. And every time you do that, you just put it directly under the control of the mayor. If you had an elected school board, they may speak up against that. Most likely they wouldn't. Being citizens of Chicago, most citizens of Chicago either throw up their hands or resignation. I see you, Mark Sims, at the TIF program. Like, it's so confusing. I can't understand it in a million years. Or they go along with it. Very few oppose it, but the risk is too great. So rather than give up control over hundreds of millions of dollars, let's keep this uh, appointed school board and fill it with members who will never question the diversion of hundreds of millions of dollars on the public schools. So I, D, I said this already. I give the mayor and uh, her publicist and her strategist a lot of credit. They have brilliantly taken all the arguments for an elected school board and reversed them so that there are arguments against an elected school board. It's one of the greatest games of political jujitsu I've seen in the city of Chicago for a long time. So I give you credit. Doesn't mean I have to go along with it. Well, she makes a good point. <laughs> That's how journalists are supposed to do it. Well, she makes a good point, Ben. I have a bunch more quotes from Lori Lightfoot, but we're just going to go ahead and move on to the next story. All righty then. Yeah, all righty then. Yeah, all right, yeah, good idea. All right. It's now time for something that has quickly become one of my favorite things to do on this program. 
Guys, it's time to talk about polls involving Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> All righty then. All righty then. Chicago uh, WGN and Taman Bradley uh, wrote here, halfway through her term and faced with challenges on multiple fronts, WGN TV slash Emerson College Poll decided to take it upon themselves to deliver us a Lori Lightfoot favorability poll. Now... <laughs> <laughs> Before we go to WGN and Tamon Bradley, Ben, is it just me or do these polls seem to have the same <laughs> result and a familiar trend every time we look at them? Yes. People love Mayor Lori Lightfoot. They love her very much. <laughs> Except for the weirdos. Yes. I told you this, D. Chicagoans love their mayors. They love mayors, particularly mayors who are mean to them. Be mean to me more, Mayor. I'm a Chicagoan. So, yes, there is a trend. Go ahead. Let's talk about the poll here. And also, we have some information on Pritzker and Joe Biden as well. Let's look at the poll. Shout out to WGN and Taman Bradley. It says here, Chicago voters lean toward approval of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's performance in office. By a 48 to 39% margin, Chicago voters approve of the overall job Lightfoot is doing. 13%, my favorite, are <laughs> unsure or have no opinion. I don't know what the hell are you asking me for. <laughs> In contrast, those who, who were polled see other political leaders as more successful. 64% of Chicago voters approve of the overall job. Governor J.B. Pritzker is doing and only 24% disapprove. Dude, why are you thinking about quitting? Uh, this poll did not cover the governor's job approval statewide. We can tell. President, <laughs> that's obvious. Also in the poll, we've learned President Joe Biden holds a 76% approval rating with 70, 17% disapproval in Chicago just six months into his time as commander-in-chief. It says here, Mayor Lightfoot's approval is highest among younger Chicagoans aged 18 to 34, a.k.a. Lollapalooza-goers. She's getting that Lollapalooza vote. <laughs> Meantime, disapproval of the mayor is highest among those aged 35 to 49, the Ravinia goers. <laughs> Actually, I say 35 to 49, and they're transitioning from Lollapalooza to Ravinia. Ravinia would be 49 and above. We like the grass and the lawn bed. It's just really relaxing. Despite much publicized run-ins with members of the city council, the Fraternal Order of Police, and the Chicago Teachers Union, Chicagoans generally trust Lightfoot. A majority, 61% of voters, say they view the mayor as very or somewhat honest. White respondents were more likely to categorize the mayor as somewhat or very dishonest at 39% compared to 28% of African Americans and 26% of Hispanics. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, Chicagoans love uh, their mayors and uh, they like to stick with their mayors uh, and they generally view the job as a mayor. Here's what generally when, when I ask people, what is your thoughts of the mayor? And then they'll say, well, that's not a job I would want to have, you know, which is an interesting response. And I think that the underlying uh, assumption is that well, it's a miserable, tough job. Someone's got to do it. She wants it. So let's just stick with her, which is, I almost understand that D I can see the logic there, you know, kind of, sort of, 
But that's usually the response. I wouldn't want that job. Or board of ed, head of the schools. I wouldn't want that job. Or police. I wouldn't want that job. Okay, nobody's asking you, do you want to run? <laughs> well, that's a t- typical response from Chicago. I, I wouldn't want that job. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, but they, they just love it. They, you know what's funny? That that sentence that you read, D? I read that same sentence when, in the story. Uh, what is it? Despite the run-ins she's had with uh, the Fraternal Order Police and the um, Teachers Union, there might have been some aldermen, uh, people like her, which I, I I actually don't buy that sentence, the log- inherent logic in the sentence. I would say because of the run-ins that she's had with the Fraternal Order Police, the Chicago Teachers Union, and certain aldermen, she's popular. Because what the mayor has done very skillfully, and again, I give her uh, PR people and her marketing people and her political operatives a lot of credit. I know a few of them. What they've skillfully done is created everybody who has anything critical to say uh, of Lori Life, but they've thrown them into this basket of just like uh, troublemakers, ne'er-do-wells, malcontents. Oh, you can't just please them crowd, you know? And they're like all the same. Like, well, you know, the teachers union is exactly the same as the fraternal order of the police. And oh my God, Carlos eyes rolling. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, alderman from the 35th ward leader of the socialist caucus. So I think they've effectively used the opposition of the uh, people like the fraternal order of the police, Chicago teachers union to bolster her. And most Chicagoans were barely paying attention, work from the assumption, well, you know, if the teachers union's against her, I guess that's okay, because I've read in the Tribune that the teachers union is a very dangerous force. So we need the mayor to protect us from the teachers union, even though it's teachers union is the only one out there advocating for more nurses in public schools, stuff like that. I'm just saying that. So, D, I think actually that um, the, what the, uh, the poster said, despite, you should switch X out despite that's me Xing out despite and write because. So I think that's the secret. All right. Quite a bit of information on this poll. Uh, So let's run through a few more of the numbers here. It says 42% of response. Oh, wait, hold on a second. It says 42% of respondents give Lightfoot a, quote, poor grade on handling crime overall compared to 35% who say she's done an excellent or good job. The numbers uh, when asked specifically about gun violence, 68.8% of Chicagoans say Lightfoot has done a fair or poor job managing the issue with only 31.1% giving her an excellent or good grade. Uh, just over 60% of respondents say they view CPD very positively or somewhat positively compared to 33.1% with a negative or very negative view. Uh, COVID-19 economy and education of the Chicagoans who were polled, 36% say she's done an excellent job and nearly 28% said she's done a good job of navigating the year and a half long pandemic crisis. Voters are split about whether the mayor has advanced the economy with 17.9% saying she's done an excellent job, 32.8% good, 25.2% fair, uh, and 24.2% poor. 
Uh, let's see here. We'll do one more. Renaming Lakeshore Drive. A city council ordinance to rename part of Lakeshore Drive in honor of John Baptiste Point du Sable has sparked controversy and led to a shouting match. Yeah, we know all that. Just 36.6% of respondents say they are in favor of renaming the drive specifically for John Baptiste Point du Sable, largely recognized as the founder of Chicago and the city's first settler. In contrast, 41.5% say the street should remain Lakeshore Drive. You know what I think the results really show is that Chicagoans just don't know what to do with their city. And I can understand that because the problems we face are so complex and so overwhelming and so upsetting in many cases that most people just want to retreat to their homes, uh, to their parties, to their bar stools, to their reefer, to their jogging, to their favorite TV shows, to their favorite sporting events. And they want to think about it. So here's some pollster calls up and goes, what do you think about X, Y, Z? <laughs> and the poor person being questioned is like, well, I don't know. I really don't know. And then they try to think of like a suitable response. But one, one interesting point is that a 60 point percent or whatever it was, I think the police department's doing a good job, you know, and uh, that's an interesting response. And that undercuts the uh, attempts by my dear friends of the far left persuasion to defund the police. And it just shows how politically unpopular that notion is. Uh, And so, again, we should rethink everything about how we do policing in the city of Chicago. But Chicagoans are like, I don't know about that. I just want a cop to be there when I call 911. You know what I'm saying? People are all over, over the map, the... And when they're put, a question is put to them, you know, folks, I, Dennis has always throw these questions at me. They go, what do you think about blah? And it's like, got to answer that question. He just put it right to you. And most people go through life. It doesn't work that way. No one's asking them what they think. So some guy calls up for members in college or wherever it was. What do you think about this, that, and the other thing? By the way, D, how do they get these people that they poll? I always wonder about that. How do they find people? Nobody answers their phones anymore. So, uh, so anyway, the bottom line is uh, it's an overwhelming, problematic city with a lot of problems. Uh, Lori Life, it's okay. I'm sticking with Lori. That's why I think she's going to win re-election, D. I have, I've said it all along. I think she will win re-election. This poll kind of bears me out. 48% think you have a favorable view of her. And um, that's enough to win, get you to the second round. Okay, if it's a runoff, that'll get you the second round. And then by then, by after that, when the when when the the opposition is done turning you into the second coming of Attila the Hun, anyone who dares to run against a mayor, they'll turn you into like a this radical wacko. She'll probably win re-election deep. Uh, great question, Jay Marie, on the live stream chat. Who the hell are these people asking? <laughs> Not us. Not <laughs> us. No one in this live stream chat. They're asking. None of you got a call. I can guarantee. I can guarantee you that. I certainly didn't get a call. Nobody's asking me. Oh, hello. Is this Jay Marie? Jay Marie, wondering your thoughts on <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot thus far. 
Jay Marie, type in your response uh, on the live stream chat, and I will read it to everyone. If uh, Jay Marie were polled about Lori Lightfoot, what her response would be. Favorable, unfavorable. Fa- favorable, unfavorable, or, well, I guess, I, I, Jay Marie would probably uh, have her own. That, that's the 13%. The 13% of the, I can't make up my mind. I'm just so confused. All right, and finally, one more story here. Um, let's see here. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced Thursday that the city is ready to move along and play along with Illinois and Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker by moving in to phase five starting next week. The mayor made the announcement with Dr. Allison Arwadi during Facebook Live on a Facebook Live presentation. What do you think? Dude, I love this song. I like this playlist I put together. Let me let you listen to something else. Uh huh. Check this one. Yeah, that obviously wasn't it. I just really wanted to hear Dr. Allison Arwadi again. Kill it <laughs> on that comedy performance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have some quotes here. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, let's see here. Well, let's see. Oh, okay. So here we go. Uh, Lightfoot said, I think we're ready to move to phase five with the state next Friday, June 11th. Then Lightfoot asked Dr. Arwadi, what do you think? The city of Chicago will now fully reopen on June 11th in alignment with Illinois. Arwadi said, quote, now is the time to do this. These numbers are looking so good right now. Uh, COVID is still here. COVID is still here, no doubt, Lightfoot said. We've got a lot more work that we need to get done, so keep pushing vaccines, but we are on the right track. Chicago's COVID-19 numbers, only an average of 135 cases a day over the last week, are the lowest since the start of the pandemic. The mayor had previously announced a full reopening on the date of July 4th, Uh, but she's changing her mind here, saying, quote, I'm excited, I'm excited, as long as everybody does their part. Uh, ben, your thoughts? Well, my my first thought is the notion again. Let's emphasize this: that Lori Lightfoot is turning to Arwadi, Doctor Arwadi, for advice. Like everything hinges on what Doctor Arwadi says. Could you imagine if it's Facebook Live? The notion that it's live, so it's live. And Lori Lightfoot turns to Doctor Arwadi and says, "I think we should reopen the city uh, on June 11th." What do you think, Doctor Arwadi? Uh, no, I disagree, uh, Madam uh, Mayor. I vehemently disagree with you. I think we should hold out until July 4th. What do you think, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's going to do? You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the notion. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you're See, fired. Bummer, dude. <laughs> you can go back and listen to the playlist. That's, that's go back to the school board. That's what like Chicagoans like in school board officials and health department officials and police department officials. People appointees who say when asked a question by the mayor, you're right, Madam Mayor. That's what Chicago. Whew, that's a stable city. Well run. People say you're right, Madam Mayor. So I'm glad to open it up. D, I don't know. I, it would look pretty hypocritical if they were holding out to July 4th while boasting about Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza is reopened. Let's cram 100,000 people in the Grand <laughs> Park. <laughs> but no, we must keep this lakefront closed for another two weeks. Okay, or whatever. Whatever you say, the mayor said it must be right, Ben. Come on. It's a tough job. So, yay. So what are the big plans, Ben? Can we finally go to Red Lobster this weekend or what? 
Mm. Red lobster for the seafood lover. Or at least after June 11th, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to wait till June 11th. I don't know. I, I'm still, I got my issues, which we will not address. I got a lot of issues, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we, we listen. Thing. We listen. We know yeah. you can have issues. <laughs> the whole hugging thing. We can avoid the hugs for a while. Just elbow bump. Handshakes. Hey, can we just do like the fist bump? Oh, shout out to Steven on the live stream chat. Here's a little note of positivity here. He says, wow, today's show makes Chicago sound a little bit like a soft dictatorship. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Soft. I like the soft added to that. Yeah, it is kind of benevolent dictatorship, Stephen. Yes. It's always been that way. Uh, yeah. That's our local news, guys. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. Over a thousand episodes. Chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcast. If you missed last week's news, go check out Oh What a Week It Was. Bills, booze, and some other word that starts with a B. I don't know. Go find it. Chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts. Send us an email. Show at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. You can always reach us on social media at Show, And we have a phone number. It's true. 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Eight, eight. We haven't got a call in like three months, guys. Call us up. Leave. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, call the Ben Jarofsky show, all right? Prank us. Do whatever you want. And there's a good chance that we will play your voicemail on our hilarious. program. Ben, take uh, us home. Right, very good. Outstanding job. The young man from Alton did an outstanding ovation for the young doctor. Great job. Uh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Michael Post agrees. Uh, so I want to thank the young man from Alton, Illinois, without whom sh- this show would be possible. And as everybody knows, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Everybody have a great weekend. See you Tuesday. For those who are still around, apparently the live stream chat was digging it. My apologies, especially Steven. He got very upset. Uh, Here is the rest of this week's crop report. What's the name of this guy again? I can't find it. But hey, crop report. Here we go. Corn planted reached 95% compared to the five-year average of 84%. Corn emerge was 86% compared to the five-year average of 72%. Corn condition was rated 1% very poor, 3% poor, 16% fair, 67% good, and 13% excellent.
Soybeans planted reached 89% compared to the five-year average of 65%. Soybeans emerged reached 74% compared to the five-year average of 46%. Soybean conditions rated 1% very poor, 3% poor, 19% fair, 67% good, and 10% excellent. So boring.